Hello and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett. And today I want to share a sermon that I preached at First Baptist Church Florala on July 31st, 2022. The title is The Christian's Priorities, and it's based on 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 through 35. Let's uh, take a moment, if you will, and turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Today I want to be speaking to you on the subject of the Christian's priorities. But before I do, I want to bring you greetings from the Covington Baptist Association uh, yet again. And I want to just uh, remind you very soon, August the 25th, we'll be having our senior adult revival up at uh, Southside Baptist Church. Herbert Brown, a former pastor in this association from uh, years ago, uh, we'll be bringing our message. I look forward to uh, seeing a group from all over our county, but also particularly from hopefully uh, Florella to come and to spend some time with us worshiping and fellowshipping. We know that there will be um, concerns about COVID. That's what we have to live with. And let me just encourage you in this way. If you feel comfortable to come, we want you to come. And if you don't feel comfortable to come, we don't want you to come. But we certainly want you to uh, pray about coming and being a part of our fellowship on August the 25th uh, there at Southside Baptist Church in Andalusia. So again, we're talking today about the idea, the subject of the Christian's priorities. The Christian's priorities, and we're uh, looking at it from the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 7. Now, as we deal with this book of 1 Corinthians, we've got to remember something about the book of 1 Corinthians, and that is Paul was responding to letters and questions from the church at Corinth. They had some specific issues that they were dealing with. They were specific to the people of Corinth. They were specific to the time in which they wrote the letter. And they were specific to some specific people. Now what we want to do from those passages that Paul wrote to them in his reply, his mentoring of them by the letter of 1 Corinthians, what we want to do is extract from those specific issues principles that we can apply to in our, us, uh, to our lives today. Because see, we need to look at 1 Corinthians in two ways. The first way is if you have a specific issue that Paul is writing to in uh, this book, then that's a good indication that that's what God thinks about that specific issue. But what if you don't have a specific issue in, uh, that you're dealing with that is included in the book of 1 Corinthians? What if none of these things apply to your daily life in, in, in particular to you or someone you love? Well, in that case, there are still principles that apply 
there are still truths that we can find, and that's what we're looking at today. Because there are two levels of understanding in the book of 1 Corinthians. One is that that level of immediate training and immediate uh, discipleship that Paul was dealing with in the day in which he was writing this letter. There's also the eternal and long-lasting principles that underlie those specific instructions. And we're going to be looking at those uh, longer-lasting eternal principles this morning. And what we want to do is we want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse uh, 17, and we're going to focus on the idea of discerning from these passages the priorities we need to have as Christians. There's an old song. It's a Gilbert and Sullivan song, one of the songs that they uh, wrote for one of the plays uh, over in England that proclaims if everybody's somebody, then no one's anybody. Now think about it. If everybody is somebody, then no one's anybody because everyone is somebody and then you get bored with that whole idea. You see, what happens is uh, when we're, we have no priorities, then everything becomes equally important. And when everything becomes equally important, we don't know what we need to focus our lives upon. You see, we have so many demands upon our lives today that it's very hard to come into understanding which of these priorities are most important. Now, truth be told, that was the same problem they had in the church of Corinth. You see, although our technology changes, and although society's ways of expressing itself change, people never do change. People are the same from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. People don't change. God doesn't change. His rules, his priorities, his purposes don't change. And what we deal with a lot of times is what is called the tyranny of the urgent. In other words, we go from crisis to crisis, from issue to issue, without ever being intentional, without ever making out a plan to follow in our lives on a daily basis and then on an eternal basis. As we look at our priorities, sometimes we have to wrestle with the idea of the competition that happens between the perfect and the good. You see, there is a competition there. The good is the enemy of the perfect, and the perfect is the enemy of the good. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, if you're always trying to find the perfect husband, <laughs> you're going to be a spinster. If you're always trying to find the perfect wife, you're going to be a bachelor. If you're trying to find the perfect school to send your children to, they'll never get educated. If you're trying to find the perfect church to attend, then you're going to be out on the lake on Sunday morning. 
But on the other hand, if we settle for what is just good, sometimes that's not appropriate either. Good enough is good enough, except when you're dealing with nuclear power. I want to assert to you this morning that I hope our nuclear power plant operators try to achieve perfection. Good enough is good enough, except when you're flying my airplane that I'm riding in. If you're my pilot, I want you to strive for perfection. So how do we balance these things? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 gives us some principles by which we can live our lives and which we can understand these help us balance our lives as we serve as God. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 17, oh, chapter 7, excuse me, uh, verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when you were called? Don't be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of that opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a free, freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when he is called is a bondservant of Christ. You are bought with a price. Do not be the, become the bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each one was called, let him remain with God. Father, we pray your blessings on your word today, and we pray that you would help us to understand these principles that Paul was teaching to the church at Corinth, and help us to apply them to our lives today, that we may serve you more fully and more holy, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this passage of scripture, Paul begins the second half of chapter seven saying this, he said, you should put God not your position first. Put God, not your position first. Now, if we know about the church at Corinth, there was a lot of turmoil, both within the church and in the city that surrounded the church. And we too today live in an age of political and social unrest. We live in an age of political and social activism. And there are special interest groups galore. There's every kind of special group, interest group out there that you can think of. Uh, special interest groups about animals. Special interest groups about ecology, special interest groups about political issues, special interest groups about family issues, special interest groups that, that are, are, are interested in trying to eliminate all other special interest groups. If you name an issue, there is someone out there 
protesting it. There's someone out there developing a political action committee to develop money to fund action about it. And many of them want we as churches and we as individuals to get involved in these kind of issues. I remember very clearly once reading an article um, in the, it was actually, a, it was an article or was it editorial? It was an editorial in the uh, uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And the editorial in this in this newspaper was criticizing certain local churches for not being involved in some sort of social outreach or some sort of social activism. And I actually wrote a letter to the editor in protest to that editorial because what I said was this, churches do useful things in what they do. They help people to live their lives. They help people to serve one another. You don't have to make a church look like a political party before it's useful to you. We're useful doing what God wants us to do. And Paul's view here was radically different. He didn't want the church to mimic some sort of political party. He didn't want the church to, to see themselves as some sort of pawns of the rich and powerful. He wasn't concerned about social position. He says, if you are a slave, let's, let's be honest with ourselves here. He was talking about people in slavery. Not but bond servants were slaves. They were told what to do. Now, most of them had been sold, had sold themselves into slavery because of their debts or some other thing, but they were under the total control of their masters. Paul says, look, if you're a bond servant, if you're a slave, don't worry about it because you ultimately serve God. On the other hand, it says, if you're not a bond servant, don't worry about that either because you are the bond servant of God. We all serve somebody. And in truth, in this world, we all do serve somebody. We either serve the bank who owns our house. You decide not to service that debt. Guess what happens? The bank's going to come for that house. If you decide to serve, uh, not serve the debt on your car, guess what? They're going to come and repossess that car. We all serve somebody. And ultimately, Paul says, we all serve God. You see, what Paul wanted us to do was put God's will first. Not trying to seek some sort of political position or not trying to seek some sort of Social position. I, when I was in high school, I had a girlfriend, and and uh, she really well. Truth, truth be told, she was never really my girlfriend. We flirted, and I thought there was some real potential there, but truth be told, there wasn't, because you see, she in her heart, frankly, was a social climber, and although we had some things in common, uh, I wasn't in the right social position for her. And frankly, I think that was a good thing for me because I wound up with a much better situation. Amen. Amen. Today's my wife's birthday. She's 29 years old. And she looks every day up, doesn't she? But 
Here's the issue. If we put God's will first, it doesn't matter what our social position is. It doesn't matter if we're in Florella, Alabama or Washington, D.C. It doesn't matter if we are uh, someone who cuts trees for a living or someone who takes those trees and makes something beautiful out of them or someone who sells what is made out of a tree or someone who buys what's made out of a tree. It doesn't matter as long as we are serving God. We need to put God first in our lives and everything else will line up, including our relationships. Let's look at verse 25. Now, concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Don't seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would like to spare you that. God said this, Paul, Paul says this, put God not position first. He also said put God not relationships first. Having a relationship, having a marriage does not solve all our problems. Paul says there are some of you out there that are looking to a person uh, on this earth to fill that empty spot in your life. Now, don't get me wrong. Paul says, look, if, you're, if you want to get married, that's fine. He, Adam and Eve were made for each other and God blesses marriage. The first uh, miracle that Jesus did was the wedding at Cana. But here's the truth. We can be married and miserable. We can be in a committed relationship with somebody and be totally miserable. What does the proverb say? It's better to sit, uh, to live in the corner of an attic than with someone who is a miserable person. I edited that, by the way. But it's true, because it's better for a woman to live in the corner of an attic than with a miserable man, and it's certainly better the same on the other side. You see, we can still be married and still be miserable. We can still be married and still be financially broke. We can be married and still be spiritually bankrupt. Marriage does not solve all our problems. On the other hand, Paul says, ending a marriage doesn't solve your problems either. He said, you know, you're still going to be lonely. You might have children to raise by yourself. You might still be broke. In fact, you probably will be broke. The poorest people in America are single mothers and their children. But putting God first can solve those issues. If we look at the uh, Ten Commandments, what do we see? We see the... The first five or so commandments talk about our relationship to God. You should not have any other God before me. Don't make any graven images. Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. But the other half of the Ten Commandments 
Deal with our relationship with each other. Don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. You see, when we put God's priorities first, the other priorities come along. God can help us overcome our loneliness, whether we are married or single. One of the most beautiful souls that I know, a lady that was in our home church, she's never been married. Dedicated Christian lady who's now, she's older than us. I, I haven't heard from her in a long time, but she's never been married. God can help you manage your money whether you're married or single or where you have children or not. He can fulfill your emotional needs regardless of whether you're in a relationship or whether you're not in a relationship. Paul said this, relationships are good. Relationships are fine. Relationships were created for us by God, but they are not God. And you say, my marriage is fine. Well, I'm glad. That's good. Paul would rejoice with that. But Paul would say also, don't look for joy only in your spouse. Look for joy in your Father in heaven. And he will bless you through the relationships that he establishes for you. So we need to put God, not our position in society first. It is perfectly acceptable to be a Christian in South Alabama. Just as much as it's perfectly acceptable to be a Christian in New York City. It's perfectly acceptable to be a Christian who's single, just like it's perfectly acceptable for a Christian to be married as long as we put God first. We also need to do something else. We need to put God's plan first and not our plan. Look at verse 29. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they have no goods. And those who deal with the world as if they have no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Paul says, look, don't put position first, put God first. Don't put relationships first, put God first. And he said this, put God's plan first. Don't put our own plans First, look, humans can make wonderful plans. I, I recently wrote, recently did a devotion that, that, uh, that featured my father. Uh, my father was a great one to make a plan in his head and then carry it out. I remember one time helping him. Well, I wasn't really helping him. I was handing him tools, okay? Let's be honest. Yeah, I was a kid. I was standing in the carport. He was out in the carport, and he was building a room divider. 
And, and we had a we had a kitchen and a and a living room, and my 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 mom needed some more counter space, and they needed to divide those two spaces up to better delineate them. And so Dad was out in the carport building this room divider. And as he was building it and he was putting it together, he was cutting the, the right lengths and he was nailing and screwing and doing all those things that you do when you do carpentry work. I noticed that he didn't have any kind of plans laid out. And I, I asked him, Dad, Dad, where are the plans for this room divider? And he just went like this. Just pointed to his head. And he was able to do that. He was able to, in his mind, come up with ideas. He would sort of gnaw at them and come up to a solution, and then he would go and put it into practice. My dad was wonderful at doing that. And he taught me how to do it too, not so much with my hands. I'm nowhere near as skilled as he is. But we can have great plans. God allowed us the ability to have plans. My, my home church which I loved, and it was probably, to be honest, the best church I've ever been a part of. Please don't, please, please forgive me for saying that. All the 52 churches in our association, please forgive me for saying that. But our home church was probably the best church that I was ever a part of. And my, our pastor articulated a plan where that church was going to grow to a certain number of people. They were going to build a new building, and, and they were going to multiply but what he didn't realize was about 10 years down the road, that community would change totally. And all the members of that church moved away. And now that church building is still there, but it's <laughs> occupied by a different congregation. You see, we have great plans. But here's the thing. Our plans often lack the insight of God. We... we lack the knowledge of God's timing. We lack the knowledge of what God knows in the future. Often our plans lack God's directions, and therefore they often lack God's power. And so Paul would tell us today, we need to change the way we make plans. We don't need to decide where we're going and then ask God to bless us. What we need to see is where God is going, as Henry Blackaby has taught, and get on board with him. You know, the movie about the man who built the baseball field in Iowa, Field of Dreams, the Spirits out there said, build it and they will come. Well, let me tell you something. You build a church building, they ain't necessarily coming. You build a church based on God's principles. That's when they'll come. We need to put God's plans first and not our plans first. And finally, as we look on, Paul says this, we need to put God, not earthly concerns, first. Look at uh, verse 32. But I want you to be free from anxieties. The married man is anxious about the things of the Lord. How, the unmarried man, excuse me, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. 
and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. We need to put God not earthly concerns first. Now, Paul again is talking about some issues in marriages and relationships to which he had been queried by the church of Corinth. There were issues in people's relationships and he was addressing that point. But he comes to this point here and says, look, if we are concerned about earthly things, we are not going to be concerned about godly things. Now, we have physical bodies, and we have to care for our physical bodies. We've got to eat. We've got to sleep. We've got to have clothes to wear. Uh, you know, we have to have a, a safe place to live. I, I don't know about you, but the last thing I do before I go to bed at night is go around and make sure all the doors are locked. The last thing I do. And the last thing actually I do before I go to, uh, go to sleep is I lock the door to my bedroom. That's just what I do. You may not have those concerns, but I live out in the country. I, I live 200 yards off the road. And it's not a highway. <laughs> it's a road. I live out in the middle of nowhere, and I like it. I like it because my wife likes it, to be honest. She likes living there, and I like living with her. <laughs> so that works out. But we have to take care of all those things. Our children have to have an education. We've got to plan for retirement. I, I remember hearing a commercial saying once, and it was true, I believe, that, more, that people spend more time planning their vacations than they do planning their retirements. But eternal concerns are more important. Yeah, we have earthly concerns. Paul realizes that. Paul had earthly concerns. But Paul would say to you, if he was standing here today, that eternal concerns are more important. The scriptures tell us that we live on this earth only a few score years. But then comes eternity. Now, eternity is something that we can't imagine. We don't know how long eternity is. If you've ever stood outside at night, when we were missionaries in West Africa, we would go out sometimes at night and look up in the sky and see there was no, there were no street lights where we were. There were no, a lot of times there was no electricity where we were. We had a, about every third day they would cut the electricity to where we live. And, and, and But it was dark. And you go outside and you'd look at the stars and then look past the stars into that black, inky blackness of night and just realize that we're just not even a speck of dust in this universe. And it just goes on and on and on and on. Now, my wife's only 29 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm getting closer to 60. I'm almost 62. And I know that my days of, on earth are not three score and year probably left. They're probably a lot less than that. 
But eternity will go on forever. And if we focus on temporal things and we ignore the eternal things, then we are spending time on things that in the end will be burned up. Uh, if, have you tried to, to do a building program lately of some kind? Have you tried to install windows in your house? Have you, have you tried to build a house in recent days? Uh, my wife and I had a, had a screen porch, or had a screen porch. And uh, when we bought the house, we didn't realize this thing about the screen, screen porch. It was going to be freezing cold in the wintertime and burning hot in the summertime. We never used that screen porch. So over the last seven months, I've been working with someone to enclose that screen porch. And it's a very nice project. Uh, there are more windows in our now sun porch than there are in the rest of the house. And it's a nice place. It's temperature controlled. We can sit and watch our goats in the back pasture and we can enjoy the sunshine. And one day, that sun porch is going to be burned up. Seven months of not having a carport so that the folks could come in and work whenever they needed to. Seven months of waiting for windows to come in. Seven months to wait for the painter. I, we had the slowest painter this side of the Mississippi. Great painter, don't get me wrong. Wonderful painter. Slower than molasses in wintertime. And this last week, they finally finished. And it is a wonderful space that someday is going to get burned up. Sorry, baby. It's just going to get burned up. We need to enjoy the world God has given us. But the most important thing we need to do is realize that he has a place for us in heaven. A place that's more wonderful than anything we can create here. And we need to look forward to getting there. We need to look forward to serving him. And we need to look forward to helping other people get to that place. The man who said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing was a wise man. And we can get so wrapped up in travel ball in trying to help our children get to college. We can get so wrapped up in developing our home places. We can get so wrapped up in trying to uh, make our way in our business. We can get so wrapped up in trying to pay off those debts. We can get so wrapped up in earthly position. We can get so wrapped up in our relationships. We can get so wrapped up in the plans that we're making that we forget that none of that will stand the test of eternity. It's only what we do in the cause of Jesus Christ that lasts forever. It's only what we do in response to God's will that will stand the test of eternity. Now, Paul said this, 
If you can get married, that's fine. Don't let it stop you from serving the Lord. If you can get promoted at your job, go for it. Don't let that stop you from serving the Lord. Uh, you can be involved in athletics or hunting or deep sea fishing or anything you want to do as helps you to recreate yourself and have recreation, but don't let it keep you from serving the Lord. See, Jesus said this. He said, I'm coming that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. We focus on that in the here and now. We say, Jesus, give me that abundant life today. God's timing says this. I'm going to give you abundant life, but it's going to be in my time. It may be in the here and now, but I'll guarantee you it will be in the hereafter. The most important thing is to put God first. Not our earthly concerns, not our earthly plans, not our earthly relationships, but not our earthly position, but God. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Father, I pray your blessings now on your word. I am so grateful, Father, that we know that you can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick. And Father, I can be a crooked stick. I can get my own priorities ahead of yours. I can get my own ways ahead of yours. I can do many things that I should not do. But I pray that you would help me on a daily basis to seek your face to seek your Holy Spirit and to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, Father, as we have a time of invitation, pray you bless us and help us dedicate ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.